Good morning, everyone. Today I am reading from Psalm 96. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be revered above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord is king. The world is firmly established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he is coming, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and all the people with his truth. This is the word of God. Well, today we finish this uh, short series, what we've been calling Psalms for the Seasons of Life. And we started off with Psalms of orientation when life is going well. Secondly, Psalms of uh, disorientation or Psalms of lament. Uh, over a third of the Psalms are these where there are hard times and that often feels like our experience. And then lastly, this uh, group called Psalms of Reorientation or New Orientation, which we began last week with Psalm 66, and today we end with Psalm 96. And so these are Psalms of New Beginnings. So Israel reflecting on where they have been, and now they're moving into a new space. God is directing in what they perceive to be a new way and they receive these new beginnings um, from God. We look ahead to Lent coming, and Lent is in a sense a time also of new beginnings, a chance to reflect on our lives and our connection with God and our world and how do we go forward, so new beginnings. So Psalm 66 is where we are, I'm sorry, Psalm 96, and it's a psalm that is connected, actually, with the bringing of the uh, Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, 1 Chronicles 16, where David is bringing the Ark in to Jerusalem, now going to be the holy city. And indeed, Psalm 96, a good chunk of it, comes from this unit in 1 Chronicles 16, 23 to 33. So you can look at that, if you like, and just sort of see the the connections that we have between the historical books and the Psalter. So a time of rejoicing, a time of new beginning as the Ark of the Covenant is brought into Jerusalem. It's a time of praise and celebration and Psalm 96 captures uh, some of that. So we begin then verses one to three. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. 
Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the people. So sing to the Lord, three times we have this statement, and indeed to sing to the Lord a new song. So there are times you know, when we want a new song, when we want to capture uh, something of this new work that God is doing. So composers would actually sing and prepare a new tune that would be sung. And I think that's part of it here. Surely there were new songs that were being composed for this great event of bringing the ark into uh, Jerusalem. So they are songs that are newly composed, but they are also meant to sing them afresh. So for example, when we sing, let's say, Great is Thy Faithfulness, well, we've sung that hymn hundreds of times in our lives, but we are also invited every time we sing it to sing it with a, with a fresh heart, that we're not just going through it in routine, but you know, we are really reflecting upon the themes and the mercies of God and praising God for his faithfulness in the now. And so I'm mindful of uh, Karl Barth's statement, uh, faith is a history new every morning. Faith is a history new every morning. So we are to be singing our songs newly and freshly giving praise to God. It's a regular encounter with God, not something simply in the past. And here we note that the whole earth is invited to join in and to sing praise. The heavens, the seas, the fields, all of it, we have it alluded to in verse 1, and then later in verse 11 we see all of these pieces mentioned. All the earth is the choir. So we are praising God, sing to the Lord, Sing to the Lord a new song, three times we hear it. Psalmist goes on, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be revered above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. So great is the Lord and God is above all of the idols or worthless things, actually is what that word really means, that we create and give such importance to. But God, in comparison, God is the one who created the entire universe and he is above all such things that we uh, place importance upon. So we're invited here in the first six verses to praise God and to praise him in a fresh way not a shallow experience, not a static thing, but to keep bringing our praise to God in a real, honest heart and encounter with God. And indeed, it's directed to the sanctuary. We see in verse 6, splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. So in Exodus 28, excuse me, we have the earthly sanctuary. Hebrews, New Testament, 8.5, talks about the heavenly sanctuary. And then ultimately, we know that Jesus, Jesus Christ, is the true earthly sanctuary. We see in John 1.14, when John writes, And the word became flesh and lived among us, 
and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. So if you track through the scriptures, in Exodus we have the earthly sanctuary. Time we get to the New Testament, the writer of Hebrews is talking about the heavenly sanctuary and the gospels reveal to us that Jesus Christ is the true sanctuary that we look to in coming to know God. So will we gather then in this new time, this new orientation to come and give our hearts in praise? So we again might think of our own experience the last couple of years. We haven't really been able to join together as a church community uh, very often. Tried some in the summer and then in the fall we got to do a little bit of together times. But with COVID, we've been interrupted a lot. So I wonder, I just wonder if in this post-COVID time that I think we are coming into and what the experts are suggesting, is can we come back together in, in a sense of newness? And can this be actually a fresh new time to join together as the people of God and to praise him? So that's just a question. What opportunity of newness is there as we come out of these two years of COVID and are now going to move into this new phase? Is it simply to go back to the old? Or maybe God is inviting us to something new. So the psalmist carries on in that sense, ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. Tremble before him all the earth. So in the first refrain, we saw three times to sing to the Lord. And here we have an echo in verse 7 and 8 to ascribe to the Lord or to give to the Lord. Give to the Lord glory. Glory can also have the idea of beauty. Give to the Lord the beauty of his name. So God is glorious, and what issues forth from God calls for us to recognize the glory of God. We look up at the stars at night if you're outside of town and you see these thousands of lights. Well, that, that, that draws something out of us which is to praise God for his beauty. Or you're diving on a coral reef, it's the same idea. You see all this wonderful symbiosis and synergy that's going on and we're invited to praise God, ascribe to God beauty and glory. That's what's going on here in this next unit. So will we indeed do that to praise him, to recognize him as our God? I'm just going to skip back here. My little clicker went crazy. Indeed, we are to offer him uh, this statement in verse 8. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. So this threefold response to worship. And interesting, worship in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Scriptures, the fundamental idea of that word, which is the word used most often, is to bow down, to prostrate oneself before God. It is to bow low. That, that is the key idea there, to recognize that God is the ultimate reality, the other. 
and we come to him as creature to creator, and we bow down before him. That's the key idea of worship in the, in the Hebrew scriptures. We think of the English word worship is to give worth, and so we often think of the word to adore, but in the Hebrews it's fundamentally to revere God, to recognize how awesome he is, how mighty he is, to bow down before him. Holiness is the second attribute here we see in verse 8, in the splendor of his holiness. So again, the beauty of God's glory, his beauty, how pure he is in comparison to us, and we know our own brokenness and sin. We saw that last week. And then thirdly, we're invited to tremble before him, and the root of the word tremble here is to dance. So we are called to worship, bow down, to recognize his holiness, we want to imitate that, and then to tremble before him, to dance before him. Remember being in Turkey years ago with my brother and we were, had the opportunity to see the whirling dervishes. And the whirling dervishes were dancers and perhaps you've seen pictures of them. They wear these long white robes and they just twirl. But originally this was not a form of entertainment, it was actually a form of meditation. The whirling dervishes was a way of honoring God and recognizing God through this trembling experience, through this dance experience. So we are invited to see God, to know him, and then to move into a relationship of closeness. If we back up to, verse, to chapter, uh, Psalm 95, verse 7, we hear, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. So God is this awesome God, but he wants to be in intimate relationship with us, that he, we are to know that we are under his care, under his concern. We are in a relationship with him. It's a, it's a picture of intimacy. It's this covenant that the great creator and redeemer draws us to be his people and for us to claim that reality. So that's all going on in these two uh, opening refrains of Psalm 96. And then we hear the concluding verses say among the nations, the Lord is king, the world is firmly established, it shall never be moved, he will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice, let the sea roar and all that fills it, let the field exalt and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he is coming. For he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his truth. So verses 10 to 13, we sing the king's glory, the king's Jew, and now the king is coming. God is coming. And so the NIV phrases it this way, say among the nation, the Lord reigns, verse 10. It speaks of the advent of God. So this is clearly the new work of God. The Ark of the Covenant is coming into Jerusalem, and now the psalmist says, clearly God reigns. The Lord reigns. The Lord will reign from Jerusalem. Jerusalem will be the holy city. This is the new beginning that the psalmist gives praise to. 
So it's the language of the day of the Lord. God is sovereign. He is creator, creator over all. He is judge over all the earth, humanity and creation. God is creator, and we recognize how good he is for us. I was struck recently by a story that came out of Vancouver Island of an individual named Bear Henry, an indigenous individual. And Bear Henry had the unfortunate uh, experience of his van going off the road, tumbled down the ravine, totally out of sight, under the canopy of the, of the forest, and he could not get back up. It was very steep. But he survived, and he was in the wilderness for 70 days. 70 days, two and a half months. And ultimately, some... Uh, Loggers or miners, I forget the details, were coming through finally in the area and came across Bear Henry. But what struck me was Bear's comment that he, he had no doubt in his mind that the Creator was watching over him. And he wanted to thank his Creator for his goodness in preserving his life. And, I, and when I, I read that, I thought, well, you know, that's, that's a beautiful statement. So I'm not sure exactly where Bear Henry is in terms of his faith, but he certainly knows that God exists and God is his creator and God is watching over him. And that is a sense of what Psalm 96 is saying. So do we have this sense that God is there for us? And he offers us new beginnings. So there is this great reversal that we see in the end of the psalm. The disaster is results of the fall, the inequity, the lack of justice, the cost on the environment, forests and seas, all of that. Ultimately, God comes and he reverses this. And he comes to care for humanity and for the planet in this sense of perfect freedom under God. That's the great vision that Psalm 96 has. The sense of finally the earth will be in a situation of rest and shalom and government will really be working for the equity and for the care of every citizen. Psalm 96. So hearing that then, what, what do we say as we close? Well, certainly Psalm 96 is about hope that the future belongs to God. Right now we have this great tension between Russia and the West, particularly with the Ukraine, and there may well be war uh, between these sides. It's, it's a very tense situation. We can get discouraged and despair about the state of the planet, but in spite of all that, what the psalmist is saying is that we can go forward in hope because the future ultimately belongs to God. And we live under this horizon of hope and not under the human overcast. So all the idols of our world cannot overcome God's goodness. We go forward in hope. We go forward in confidence as we keep our eyes on him. In spite of, secondly, all of the chaos all of the brokenness that our world throws at us. But because God is God and we are his creation, 
we know that finally, as Julian of Norwood said, all things shall be well. That we can go forward with a sense of confidence, of justice and jubilation to do our part as individuals and as a community of faith. We look forward to doing a greater work in this community with the whole uh, development piece. And, and that is ramping up. In the next nine months, we'll see lots of real progress on this front. And we do this so that God can continue to do his work in this important area of the city in Weston. So what happens on a communal level, will we embrace this time of new beginning, not discouraged by it all, but a sense of encouragement because God is God and we are his children. But it also happens on an individual basis. I was leaving the church this week, going out to my car, and an individual came over to me. And his name is Sean. And Sean is a hairstylist across the street in the hair salon. And uh, he was parking his car there, and, and he, he you know, wanted to know that it wouldn't be towed away. And I said, well, hey, okay, we're talking about it. And he said, oh, yeah, I'm from the area. I, I, I grew up here, and I, I used to go to Frontlines. And, and who, was, who was it? It was Bonnie. Bonnie was in charge there. And I want to tell you that Bonnie helped a lot of youth. <laughs> and I said, yeah, yeah, man, I'm, I'm right with you. He's, an, he's, he's now maybe 25, big, strapping guy. And he thinks back at his days at Frontlines and how the church, and specifically an individual, Bonnie, was able to make an impact on his life and the lives of others. And so it was just a reminder to me, you know, in 120 years that we've been here, how many individuals have we connected with during our time and before our time, generations ago? Individuals have been impacted by this community of faith. So we have experienced it collectively. Hopefully we offer this collectively. And then also individuals, we do it in our own way. Clearly Bonnie touched the life of Sean. So I was, I was impressed by that. So with that in mind, will we ourselves have confidence in God? And will we live gratefully and joyfully in God because of who he is and what he's done. To live gratefully, to be looking for those moments in our everyday where we can give thanks to God. And not only give thanks, but to give a smile to God. God's grace is also being called God's smile. Whenever we experience his grace, it's God's smile upon us. So what is our smile back? When our little children smile, that warms their hearts. Maybe when we smile before God, we warm God's heart. So can we nurture those times and can we nurture our relationship with him? The Psalms for the seasons of our lives. The invitation is no matter what season, to look to God, find God as our North Star, center on him, praise him, live for him, and rest in his goodness towards us, whatever the ups or downs we experience. The Psalms, the Psalter, the hymn book of the Old Testament. 
As we move into Lent, may we keep reading the Psalms. We won't be looking them at as a church family collectively, but individually we can be in them and to hear God's voice to us in our every day. May we be mindful of these truths. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.